Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn what ancient cities can teach us about modern cities from UCLA professor Monica L. Smith. We'll also answer a listener question about what happens to light when you turn off the light switch. Let's satisfy some curiosity. New technology is helping us learn about ancient cities and what researchers are finding could lead to smarter city planning in the future. We're going to dig into the details in the third and final edition of our Sunday Cities mini-series with Monica L. Smith. She's an archaeologist and a professor in the Department of Anthropology at UCLA, and she's the author of a new book called Cities, The First 6,000 Years. I asked her how technology has changed the way we've been able to study cities from history, and here's what she told us. Well, there are a couple of ways that technology has changed our ability to analyze ancient settlements. One of them is a technology called LIDAR, which is an aerial scanning radar where you can actually see through vegetation to look at the range of architecture around a city. It's been particularly important for places in the jungle, like the Maya cities, which we used to think of were just a kind of ceremonial center with pyramids and a temple. But now with this LIDAR technology, we realize that those cities are completely surrounded by suburbs in ways that are very reminiscent of modern cities. Another way that technology has changed what we do is that we can now do big data archaeology. We can look at how cities are similar and different across the planet by looking at things like the sizes of houses or the sizes of streets or the amount of construction material that's required for building a city wall. Now we can put all these things in databases and try to compare to see how fast cities are growing in different kinds of environments, which then lead us to be able to address human environmental issues, uh, which is a big concern in modern cities as well. That is really cool. What was the most surprising thing? What surprised you the most in your research? Well, you know, when I've been working at an ancient city, the cities are so similar to what we have in the modern day that I sometimes feel like I'm excavating some dusty vestige of my own city, even if I'm in a place on the other side of the planet. So the thing that strikes me the most is the similarities between modern cities and ancient ones. But one of the things that I learned in the course of writing this book and thinking about urbanism and teaching classes at UCLA is that cities are places of positive social growth. They are places where we can help to solve problems and not simply coexist in ways that have gone on for a long time. Cities are places where we can address questions of diversity. We can address questions of social justice through urban planning, through infrastructure development, even something as simple as planning a new subway system. In Los Angeles, we are building a new subway. And in that planning process, we're thinking about where do the stops go? What communities will be served by this? What new opportunities for employment or educational access will be generated when people from one part of the city can get to another part of the city. So planning is not just about economics, it's about people. And that means that cities are places where I think we can be optimistic about solving some of our biggest issues of diversity, access, migration, and social justice. Real quick lightning round softball question for you. Uh, a few years ago, I was at Teotihuacan outside of Mexico City, and it was like one of my favorite places to visit. What's your favorite ancient city to visit? 
You know, I'd have to say that Teotihuacan is one of the most amazing cities to visit, both past and present. And so I'm really glad that you had a chance to visit that and uh, would encourage you to have other people do that, too. But you know what? Your own city is an archaeological wonderland, too. If you look around at the sidewalk, you'll see a little scar from something that used to be there, like a newspaper stand or a telephone booth. And it makes you realize that the city is changing all around you, even in your own lifetime. Again, that was Monica L. Smith, an archaeologist and professor at UCLA, and author of the new book, Cities, the First 6,000 Years. We'll put links to find more from her in today's show notes, and we hope that now you're inspired to take a new look at your own city with a fresh perspective. Today's episode is sponsored by Arm & Hammer. You know what I love? My kitty. Her name is Aglet. She has her own Instagram. It's Aglet is tiny. It's one of my favorite things in the world. And she's the cutest cat in the world. I'm sorry for all of your cats, but it's it's true. <laughs> but I don't love everything about having a cat. And one of those things is cleaning up Aglet's litter box. I mean, it's smelly. I don't really like doing it. When I pour new litter in, it gets all this dust in my eyes. It's just, it's not fun. Which is why Arm & Hammer created new cloud control litter. There's no cloud of nasty stuff when I scoop. It's actually 100% dust-free free of heavy perfumes, and it helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. Agla's going to have some parties. <laughs> New cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. We got a listener question from Raphael, who wanted to know a bunch of stuff about astrophysics, black holes, and light. We don't have time to answer all of them on this episode, but for today, I wanted to take on the question that hit closest to home. Where does light go when you turn off the light switch? So when light leaves a light bulb, it can do one of three things. It can be absorbed, it can be reflected, and it can be transmitted. Most objects do some combination of these things, depending on the way the light wavelengths interact with the atoms in the material. Like my red phone case absorbs most light wavelengths, but reflects the red ones, which is why it looks red. Specifically, the electrons in the atoms of my phone case vibrate at the same frequency as those red wavelengths of light. You know how a trained opera singer can hit a note that makes a wine glass vibrate so much that it breaks? They're matching the vibrational frequency of that wine glass. When a light wave matches the vibrational frequency of an electron, that electron absorbs the energy of the light wave and sets its whole atom in motion basically turning that light energy into a tiny bit of heat. That's absorption. But when a light wave doesn't match that frequency, the electrons just vibrate a little bit and then re-emit the light. That's reflection. If the object is transparent, like glass, the electron vibrations pass from atom to atom like a crowd doing the wave and emit the light out the other side. That's transmission. So when a light bulb is turned on, it's emitting energy in the form of light, which streams out in all directions to hit every object in the room. Some of that light is absorbed, some of it is reflected, and some is transmitted. But when you turn the light off, you're no longer replenishing the absorbed light waves. And eventually, every light wave that's reflected and transmitted will also be absorbed. And considering how fast light travels, that absorption is basically instantaneous. As a result, when you turn off the light, the room goes dark in an instant. Thanks for your question, Raphael. If you have a question, send it in to podcast at curiosity.com. 
Before we wrap up, we want to give a special shout out to Dr. Mary Yancey and Muhammad Shafaz, who are executive producers for today's episode, thanks to their generous support on Patreon. Thank you so much. If you're listening and you want to support Curiosity Daily, then visit patreon.com slash curiosity.com, all spelled out. We're producing special podcast episodes and offering other exclusive perks to show our appreciation for your support. Including May's episode, which we just dropped. Woo! One more time, you can learn more at patreon.com slash curiosity.com. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.